I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. So we're approaching the finish line. We're almost done with this season of The Breakfast Translation. Save your tears, though. We still have a few more. <laughs> That's right. We're, we're not out yet. But we did want, I had one more breakfast candle. It's a good one, you know, too. Along the way, we've been lighting these uh, breakfast cereal candles. So today is brought to us by a Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to ten, how Cinnamon Toast Crunchy do you think this candle is? This is a ten Cinnamon Toast Crunchy <laughs> candle. They did it. I agree. Save the best it, for last. It definitely smells like it. So if that's your dream uh, for your living room atmosphere is the smell of Cinnamon <laughs> Toast Crunch, uh, have we got the candle for you? Um were you a big, have you, have you ever partaken of the cinnamon toast crunch? I sure have. I love the cinnamon coating and yeah. I compare it to the likes of um, Golden Grahams, which is the, okay. a cinnamon toast crunch minus the, the nice cinnamon sugar. Just crunch. Mm-hmm, just yeah. crunch. Um, I also had a, had a season where I liked it. Speaking of like going back to something, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like those breakfast cereals are really, a lot of the ones we're talking about with, they're a, they're a thing you go through when you're young. Yeah. It's nostalgic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, of course, am a very mature person, so I do special K chocolatey delight. <laughs> that's the grown up sugar cereal. It truly basically. is, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it has me in my head about, you know, we're going to talk today about Ezra, Nehemiah, and Holda, who is uh, their partner in their work. And it has me in my mind about, because they basically. They lead the people who are coming back from exile. Mm-hmm. So it's people who have had to leave their home. Uh, in in Judah and have had to basically make do without their temple, without their neighbors, without all the things that were comforting to them and, and signaled home to them. They've been in exile. So they're coming back. And these are our reformers who are going to help the people rebuild. And I just wonder, do you have a story of like a time where you went back to somewhere that you hadn't been for a while? Mm-hmm. And you maybe maybe it was just like you remember it, or maybe it was totally different. Do you have any any stories that come to your mind? Yeah, the story that comes to mind is when I was little and I'd visit my grandparents. They're out in Illinois. Um, they had this playground at a park nearby them, and I just remember it being like huge, almost like an amusement park. And I remember everything being so magnificent and just it being like a really like, um, like the best treat in the world to be able to visit. And then I remember driving past it not too long ago, like maybe sometime last year. Yeah. And I just could not believe that what I was looking at, I was like, this could not be the park that I played at when <laughs> yeah. I was little because it was just um, dilapidated. And I'm sure some of it is just time passing, but yes. everything looks so much smaller than I remembered it. But I don't know. It didn't take away from how special it was when I was little, but it just showed how um, wide-eyed I was when yeah. I was younger. Yeah, I think that's a funny, like, it's just perspective, right? And it you can even see it with, like, your your size sometimes. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, if you've ever gone back to an elementary school. I'm just school, huge now. <laughs> you're a giant. So everything. 
everything is going to look small. Yeah, you're 10 feet tall. So no wonder. Uh, have you ever like, I think that's how you feel. Like, I remember this was this was years ago, but I got to go back uh, to my elementary school. Mm -hmm. They wanted me to speak at like the little fifth grade graduation. It was like Aww. part of some scholarship requirement or something. That's cute. And so, but everything looked small. Yeah. Like, and it's like miniature. It's just a perspective shift mm -hmm. that you're now, you know, presumably, although I feel like I've been this tall since fourth grade, <laughs> but it did just the, it changes right. uh, how you kind of move in the world. I, having just moved back to Columbus, having not lived there for a lot of years, um, I'll do that all the time. Like go drive by, drive by a playground or drive by a place where this store used to be. And it, it is funny just to see the, the shift Mm -hmm. And it makes it, I think, even more magical, those places that don't change. Right. That's absolutely true. Because 99% of the time, a place is going to be different either because you're different. Right. Or because it can't quite match how magical it is in your brain. Mm -hmm. But those places that are still even physically the same, I think, are so remarkable. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why tran those are tra like they really transport. Yeah. Yeah. And you can kind of time travel. Uh because that's what I feel like I've done a lot is like trying to go places and recapture what it felt like to be there in my brain. Sure. Um, so we're in this moment where they come back and uh, our heroes in these stories are trying to do very hard work. So it's worth a revisit to the what the big giant story of the Hebrew scriptures is, which is that God really wants Israel to show the world what it could look like if a group of people lived following God together. Yeah. Little model society. Exactly. And so they're trying to show the world the what life under God together can look like. And if you remember back in our Abraham story, we talked about these three big promises, the promise of land, the promise of posterity. So having kids and keeping the story going through your kids and then a special relationship with God. And that the whole story is uh, a, a teaser of like whether these three promises are going to come true, either because of God's choice or because the people step away from their end of the bargain. And so during this time of exile, when they've been away from the land, you have to think they they probably were really questioning, like, is, is the promise with God off? I'd feel from, far from that promise. Yeah. Exiled. It would feel like else yeah. that was promised this. Yeah. And we don't really know exactly how long it is, but we know there's some people who remember the, the world it the way it used to be, uh, who are still alive and coming back to this changed world. And it's worth saying that Nehemiah's story has always been an important one to me because when he gets back to the city, he, it says that he weeps over the state of the walls. Oh, he's you know, brokenhearted. Yeah, they have these uh, these walls that are meant for defense against enemies and that didn't work out. So he's probably seeing that, that their defense didn't work. Um, but he's also just seeing a wall and a temple that are a shadow of what they used to be mm -hmm. and that have faced um, some destruction, some decay. And so Nehemiah is really, they, they have different roles in the story. Like Nehemiah is really kind of the builder and like the social leader and Ezra is more about the spiritual, the religious reform. Bringing um, back the, the spirit of yeah. who these people were. Right. And part of that is because they, they haven't had their text. You know, I think that's an, an important thing for us to remember is that as much as they were people who just retold stories over and over again, they also had these, there's, 
this is later in the story. So they have some of these things written down. So they would have had Moses' story in the Exodus. They would have had all this stuff. Um, they would have had the story of creation and, and some of the, the poets and prophets. They would have had some of those books. Right. And I know word of mouth was a powerful way to communicate, but it's also an easy way for things to like change gradually over time. Yes. And so to have these documents would be to a way to remember this is our story. This is who we are. And so Ezra really wants to, to really work with them. There's a moment where they find the text again mm -hmm. and they find all these scrolls and he goes to a woman named Holda who is considered a prophetess. And when they find the books, she is the one who really helps him to interpret them. And we don't have a, a lot of information about her. It'd be very hard for us to guess what she has for breakfast because she only gets a couple nods right. in the whole story. She doesn't get a book named after her like Ezra and Nehemiah both do. Um, but she's right there in the mix doing, oh, yeah. doing this really important work of helping them remember what the text yeah. means. And she confirmed that the legitimacy of them, if I remember yes. correctly, too. So, yeah. Like without her, I don't yeah, no. she affirms that God is in this rebuilding. And so she plays a really giant role, even though it's kind of one of those things, right, where a part of our sensitivities, we want her to have a book named after her and we want more information about her. But it's impressive that she played this role at all, that in this rebuilding, she was a key figure and that her name does survive. Um, is an important thing. So let's just sit with that. There's not a lot of narrative to this. A lot of what they're doing is recounting. They count all the people as they come back. Uh, there's a lot of like history bookkeeping. Sure. Going well, they're on trying here. to rebuild. From yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of like, you almost see it like a documentarian, like capturing the footage every day of what the rebuild was like. Uh, so we don't get as much character work. Other than to say, Nehemiah, we have him as both a, a tough guy builder who also weeps over the walls and over the, the hard work ahead of them. Uh, we have Ezra who wants to emphasize repentance and confession as they come back in and then hold a kind of uh, working alongside them to affirm that God's hand is in it. So any, any guesses on breakfast of these reformers? Yeah. Well, for Ezra, he really cared about the spiritual reformation. Um, so I was thinking maybe he is the one who um, makes grandma's pancake recipe or okay. something like really dives into the cultural aspect and um, the upbringing yeah. there. Yeah. Like the making the family biscuits. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, love to that keep idea. The memory alive in that way. Yeah, I could, I could see all of them leaning in towards like remaking their sure. favorite breakfast. Yeah. Right. I I came close to that for all three of them. I thought uh, I just thought of oatmeal because uh -huh. I feel like that is like a it ties back to at least for a certain generation. I think that ties back to that was what they ate before Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> Mm -hmm. has like like kids breakfast like I think my dad grew up with oatmeal so every once in a while he'd go through a stretch where that was what he wanted for breakfast sure has a way of kind of tying back uh to who he used to be so our, yeah our reformers are um emphasizing the the back to the beginning yeah and I think there is a sort of like basic building blocks to something like that to a breakfast like that sure. uh th they're having to they have to have a lot of dedication because what's going to happen is that it's not just the weeping of the return, but it's the weeping from the people who say, well, this temple's not as good as I remember the first temple being. 
Right. And so there's a lot of people dealing with disappointment. Um, and they've also had some attrition. Like there were some people in the community who decided to stay in Babylon, who decided to stay in exile, that life wasn't that bad there. So they're, they're trying really hard to hold on to what's meaningful to them as a people. And, and there is some that doesn't come without its disappointments. Um, I think it's useful for us to just think about the fact that they had a, a giant task in front of them. Uh, do you have any, like, have you ever had a, a story about like something just being so daunting, like something that felt so big? And then how did you, how did you get it done? Yeah. I remember my senior year of school, there was like, I counted and I had about 140 pages worth of essays to write by the, in like two weeks or something okay. like that. And so how I handled it first was by not doing any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Procrastination. And then I got some really good advice to do the hardest thing in your day first. Okay. So just start, um, but just obviously just choose one thing yes. and get it done. And then that usually spirals on top of each other because you start feeling more competent and more competent. Yeah. But you got to do the hard thing in order yeah. to get that confidence. I think that's why we're, it's such a, I, I'm a big list maker. I don't know. Do you make like a list of things to do or do you just kind of try to keep it all in your brain? I try to keep it all in my brain, but I know that lists <laughs> have been um, more helpful to me. Well, you may reach an age where the list becomes like the thing you live and die by. Yes. Because like if it's not on there, I don't remember to do it. Oh, absolutely. But it's also because I need, especially in like busy seasons, I need to see myself get things done. Mm -hmm. Like I need to be able to look back and go, well, this week was also really busy, but I crossed these 10 things off. And I can do it. I could do it then. I can do it now. Yes. To the point where sometimes I'll do something that wasn't on the list and I'll write it. And then cross it off. <laughs> yeah. I started doing that Just too. Just to reward myself a little mm -hmm. bit. Like you did do something today. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's something too, you know, Nehemiah had to build this wall and that that's where, we, I, I don't know if this is the first time that anybody said this, but I think there is a sense of which it's done brick by brick. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a reason that's a phrase is because we sometimes need to just take things a page at a time. Uh, Anne Lamott, who's a very uh, famous and very good memoirist, mm -hmm. has, a, has a famous book about writing where she talks about this. I think it was like her sister was doing this project where she had to catalog hundreds of birds. Yes, that is. Do you remember the story? Yeah. Is it, am I getting it sort of right? Yeah. I th yes, it was one of her siblings. Yeah. And it is it her dad who tells her that you just have to do it bird by bird. And so that's the name of her writing book. And I think it's become like culture talk for yes. how to get things done. You just take it bird, bird by, by bird. bird. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We're recording right around Christmas season. I don't know. This is probably playing in the spring or so. I don't know. <laughs> I've lost track of how time works. But uh, I got out. I do these white beads around my tree. I and they every year they get totally tangled. Okay. So, and I think people, a lot of people have this with like, if you do Christmas, oh, like you Christmas wrap, lights you wrap outside. Them around yeah. like a garland or, okay. Yeah. But every year they get tangled up and it is the most, it's the worst part of Christmas. <laughs> you could not do the white bead thing. I think I may, this might be my last year because Aww. it took me to bad places. Okay. So, but you have to do it bead by bead. bead. By bead. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it looks like a giant mass of confusion when you first pick it up and, and start the process. And then it is very much like, I got this one untangled, got this one. And to the point where you have, you know, seven feet undone. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I think it is, I love that there are these folks in the Bible who, you know, there's a, the first stretch where they conquer Jericho and build the wall and all that. It, it's not without its troubles. 
but it does feel like a, a blessing on them. And there's something to the second blessing. to so like that first blessing falling apart. Um, and then to a return of blessing. I think mm -hmm. there's something to that, uh, that is maybe that maybe could affect the way we wake up, you know, the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause that's what we've talked about with morning is that it is a new start. It is a fresh list, um, a new year, um, a new, a new to-do list. Um, the beauty of trying, even if it, the result is disappointing people. The, yes. The, the, I don't know. Yeah. The function of trying. Yeah. That they still built a temple, but it just because it didn't have like that magic of, cause I think there's a lot of things where you do something once and then you try to revisit it, try to accomplish it again, try to find that again, um, in relationships and friendships mm -hmm. in work. Like, I think that happens a lot where there's something that we're always trying to get back to and, Sometimes you can, but a lot of times you just have to find the next thing. And so I think this is a, it's a big part of God's story that all of God's people had to start over and deal with that. And I kind of love that Nehemiah weeps because it, it means he didn't just come back and like, look at it all positively. <laughs> like, oh, I could make, I bet I could build a really awesome second wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which had to be a part of who he was. Sure. That determination. But I love that he does it with some lament and then keeps going. Mm -hmm. There's something about facing disappointment and then being faithful anyway, that makes it a little bit sweeter. So uh, we'll try to celebrate that uh, in our worlds over the next days together. Thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation.